I know a lot of people are suffering with this lockdown, but I'm, I'm all right, mate. I'm quite enjoying it. So, uh, yeah, mate, we're on. We're on. Uh, we're Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Mate, people will be uh, people have been talking about this one um, since I posted it. I'm just checking where uh, we're flowing, mate. Um, the first podcast I did, Matty, with um, with Kit the Wild a few years ago, um, it was awesome. And um, yeah, once once she left, I realised I hadn't hit the record button. I, was dead, mate. I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I didn't even have the balls to tell her. I was I was too scared to tell her. She didn't know. So, uh, yeah, I've done this great podcast w- with this awesome person. And then, yeah, I left and realised I hadn't even hit record. So, yeah. oh, mate, before I forget, this arrived. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Dude, I didn't realise how big it was, man. <laughs> all these books are like that. Well, they? Yeah, I didn't that all year. Yeah. It's, uh, they're, quite okay. easy, they're quite easy reads, though, considering... Um, Kind of what they what what he goes on about, but they're, well, the they're mind blowing. The good news is, well, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really into ancient, I'm into ancient civilizations. So I've realised um, I'm kind of quite interested in things now that you kind of never kind of really ever know the answer to. Like what happens what happens in when we die, and where where did we come from, and how long have we been here? Good. So, um, Check, check this out one second. I don't uh, I'm glad you said that. I didn't, I didn't want to share this because people all think I'm, I'm losing the fucking plot. But I bought this one called The Denial of Death. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mate, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with it, whether like yeah. using the concept of death can motivate you or it can scare you shitless. So I'm just kind of reading about it to learn more about it. I've learned, um, in, especially in the last kind of, five, six months, I think since I went on my retreat, um, I've learned, I'm actually quite excited about it now. <laughs> I'm excited about what if there is something else. And it's made me want to live my life uh, even more to the full. You know, I kind of want to do what I want to do. And, and, and obviously I want to, I want to look after myself and take care of myself and lead by example so I can help other people as well. But there's yeah. a real kind of element in the Western world where we're we're scared of death and we try and hide from it. And I think it's kind of should be embraced. We should learn off some of the Eastern philosophies where they kind of celebrate they celebrate it a little bit more. And in in that book, Fingerprints of the Gods, um, he's obviously talking about a lot about the Egyptians and and how they kind of lived their life. Um, just everything was about what happened when they died, about the spirit world. Yeah. And it's a good way to live your life, you know, because the the more pure you can be on this planet, they say the easier it is to get to the spirit world. So any trauma that you can get rid of, uh, any addictions, um, and just any negative kind of karma that you can you can expel in this earth should make it easier in the spirit world. And we might, you know, we might just nothing, there might be nothing after this. And that, that that's quite interesting as well, you know, because we're going to turn into some kind of matter. So. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I think before the fear of your own death 
I don't know if you feel this, it's the fear of other people dying around you. Because obviously, like, you know, parents and stuff there, you know, if everything yeah. works as it should kind of thing, they're going to go before you. So there's that fear, I think, before yeah. of your own death, of shit, I'm going to lose people around me. And then I think you probably might get to a stage where you start contemplating the fact that, oh, I'm not going to be around forever. Here. Yeah. But that's, again, something I've learned, especially recently, about, you know, I've got a beautiful, large family. and um Obviously, I've already lost my brother, so you know I, I couldn't lose anyone closer than that. I can lose someone just as close, so I've had to kind of deal with that. And I think it's probably helped me learn that although I might have this big family, you know, there's going to be bereavements ahead of me. You know, with with a bit of luck, I'm hoping I'll be able to step up to the plate and and just keep on making these people proud. Yeah. But if I do lose, you know, when when I do lose my parents or you know, if the circle of life happens, you know, I want to still carry on being, um, making my mom and making my dad proud. Yeah, man. You, know, Absolutely. So, you and your brother were close, right? So, um, how old was your brother when, when he died? 29. Wow, that's young. That's yeah. Young. Yeah. So, yeah, it was young and it was devastating and, and it nearly killed, it nearly killed me. Yeah. You know, um, but luckily enough, our family kind of, I've seen families break up in situations like this. But, mm. um, our family just got tighter. We got closer, um, and there's still there's still a lot of trauma there. You know the way the way Lee left us um, was was difficult. You know, yeah. Um, and it was at a time where depression wasn't number one on on the the kind of the medical list. You know, whereas. When that happened, it's you know it is sixteen years this year. Wow! Um, when, when that happened, no one, no one spoke about that. You know, no is, one spoke about. Do you think it was just, just common then, though? Do you think it was as common, just not? Yeah, yeah just not spoken yeah, about it, just, for them. It just wasn't as mainstream. Yeah. Whereas now it's like mental health. You know, people, we've all got mental health. It's just whether your mental health is is. Uh, positive mental health or, or negative mental health and, and we're all I think we can all fall into that category of, of having negative mental health um, and some days are better than others you know but life is precious and we and we don't know we don't know how long we're going to be in this form for so you know if you if you are struggling which a lot of people do struggle and especially at the moment in lockdown You've got to try and try and do things that are going to be good for you, and try and do things that are going to be healthy for you. You know, and that's why we that's why we know each other, Alex, because we both we're both into training, physical training. Um, my physical training is not as extreme as it used to be. Um, I don't feel the need for that anymore, but physical training is still important for me. You know, I trained this morning with my uh, my beautiful wife Sarah, uh, and we just did a circuit together and. Usually we do three rounds, but I felt pretty pumped up this morning. So halfway through, I told her we're doing four. So, you know, I still push myself a bit. And, and the training's still really important to me. Um, and that's how, you know, we've ended up here today through, through training. So yeah, it's aspect. Now, not everyone can train. Not everyone's in a, in, a, in a situation where they can train. You know, and I've been looking at different ways for people who might not be able to physically go and train, you know, and, and even just something like going and sitting outside, 
doing some breathing exercises, being in nature, you know, it's accessible to literally most of the planet, you know. So there's always things that we can do, you know, and, and even read some good stuff lately about going into a sauna. Well, obviously, we're not allowed to at the moment, but if you can't physically train, but you can go and sit in a sauna for 30 minutes, it's, they say it's a very good cardiovascular workout. So you still a, there's always ways around it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, how old were you when, when Lee passed? I was 26. 26. And you two 26. were like best mates, right? Yeah. 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 Um, we did everything together. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that was, was that almost the start of your, because I know that you had the, you know, the difficulty after and you ended up being in the Callendon Centre in Coventry, didn't you? Which was, yeah. uh, well, I'll let you describe it because obviously uh, you, you can tell the story much better than I. Yeah, I think after losing Lee, um, obviously I was I was devastated. Uh, I, had, I had, you know, a good family around me and I had some good, a good support system around me. You know, the likes of uh, Tony and, and Jeff and Glenn, um, who were all devastated as well, you know. So, um, and I think what happened to me was I was, I've got a bit of a, a kind of, I like to think I've got a bit of like a caring sign. Um, I don't know if anyone's interested in astrology, but I'm, my, my my planet sign's supposed to be Jupiter, which is, is, is seen as the great protector because a lot of uh, meteors that should hit Earth end up Jupiter's gravity ends up taking them away and they end up hitting Jupiter instead. So I've been told that I'm kind of like I've got that's my planet sign. So I'm I'm a bit of a great protector. So at the time of losing my brother, um I was trying to look after everyone. And in the end, I think I stretched myself so much um that I had uh I'd call it more of an emotional breakdown. I think I was trying to keep everyone else all right. I didn't really look after myself so much. So, yeah, I ended up I ended up having an emotional breakdown where I ended up in the Caledon Centre for a bit of time. Um, and I did think of killing myself as well. So I did have suicidal thoughts. Um, but then one day I just wanted to get better. I wanted to train. I went to see my doctor in the Caledon Centre and I said, when can I start training? And he was kind of like, no one's ever asked me that before, you know, in this centre. And I was like, well, I don't want to take my medication. You know, I'm ready to get back back to the world. For when you lose, like, when I lost my brother, you, you know, your world's, you want the world to stop spinning. You want everything to stop. And what you realise is everyone's world keeps on going. You know, but you don't want that to happen, and you've there was probably quite a bit of guilt there. Um, yeah, I, I ended up in the Caledon Centre, and it was, it's a great establishment. You know, there's the people who work there are, are, are beautiful people, and they genuinely want to help on on limited resources as well. So, yeah, I remember having a conversation with Tony and with Tony Summers, and I was kind of at a bit of a crossroads, and um, I had I had a I either went forwards, I went backwards, I either went down, which was dying, you know, which would have, you know, and I, I decided to kind of, I think the the initiation tests that I had 
doing like animal day and and kind of pushing myself with my training uh, made me stand up and get back on the world, you know. And, and it's been difficult, and I'm and I still work on myself loads physically and mentally. But I love life now. I'm excited. I said to you earlier, you know, I'm 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 excited. You know, life life is good. We're in, we're in a we're in a strange time, but imagine how imagine what people are going to be like when they can start going and seeing their friends again you know i'm hoping people will learn that they won't take that for advantage again you know hopefully people will go well i haven't had them around for nearly a year let's go and make the most of them but doing it in a healthy way doing it in a way that's gonna benefit them you know because i do think this lockdown has put a lot of people have turned to exercise you know so there are there are benefits from it i'm sure a lot of people have turned to the to alcohol as well you know so it, it runs both ways but but yeah the Caledon Centre was um it was a hard time for me and, and for my family um and I do believe it was I've never really been a depressive kind of person as such um but I think with what happened with my brother and with me finding my brother and, and trying to resuscitate him as well and to bring him back and and failing to do so um it all weighed heavy on me, you know, and, and I was trying to help my mum, my sisters, you know, I've got my mum, beautiful mother, beautiful four sisters. Uh, I was trying to help Lee's partner, Lee's kids, Mason and Wane. My Joshua had literally just been born. Uh, I had Lucas there, so I was kind of stretched. I was getting pulled from, from left to right, up and down, and I think I had a bit more of an emotional breakdown. I think I snapped and after sort of three or four weeks in the Caledon Centre, um, I was ready to get back on the, the, the um, get back on the wheel kind of thing. So it was, yeah, it was, it was quite, in, quite interesting time. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from, from that time. I'm still learning now. Absolutely. So, how do you think you would have handled that then if you hadn't have been through the training that you'd have done? Because obviously, you put, like you say, you pushed yourself physically, and it was a violent world, right? You, you know, you, yeah. you know how to fight. Would you, yeah. would you say that was? Could it be possibly the the difference between you pulling through that event and not? Yeah, mm. I do. Yeah, I think there were there there were probably a number, quite a few factors, but I think with with kind of the animal day training. Um, you know the Jeff Thompson training, and then kind of them initiations that I that I kind of felt were initiations. But I, I feel they are now when I look back on them. They 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 helped me become a man, and, and they helped me to get that mentality where you'll get knocked down in life. You will get knocked down, but you got to keep getting back up. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. You just got to keep getting back up and. Like I said, you know, if you're training in the gym and, and you know, you, you kind of go, right, I'm going to do three sets and then you go, I'm going to do four and you make yourself do four, you're kind of programming yourself to keep on going, you know, and that's why all the teaching and, and all your guys that you, and girls that you're training, you know, keep on going because, you know, you, you're helping people program themselves to keep going, you know, and, and in, a, in, a, in a world that is, full of beauty can also be a negative world as well you know you can't have positive without negative and I think we've got to program ourselves to keep on going and to look for the beauty in the world 
and that's what training really really helps you know definitely a massive part of me still being here is the fact that i got knocked down but i got back up again yeah man i mean you i mean you you, you fought a, a good standard right like i mean you stepped in the cage i mean i, I don't want to tell people this but i taught you everything you know didn't i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I, did, think yeah. for about, I, think, I think I've trained with you for about 10 years I, I don't think yeah. I, I, no I'm not not I don't know I know for a fact I've never touched you out ever yeah well there's plenty it's of people out there who have one of your rights but you, I did learn how to keep getting back up from you as well you know because <laughs> You kept going down and getting back up, but yeah. Well, yeah. Mate, the only thing that I felt half decent with with you was when we used to do a bit of Greco. That's the only thing I could kind of hold my own. When it was grappling on the floor or boxing, yeah. mate, it was, uh, yeah, you were decent. So, yeah, how like, how did you get into the cage then? And, like, how well, old were you when that happened? It's funny because when I when I competed in Valley Tudor, well, they call it Valley Tudor, which, which is anything goes, there was rules in the UK. Um, but I fought on Night of the Samurai. Uh, at the time, cages weren't even legal in in England. You weren't you weren't allowed to fight in a cage, so it was still in it was in a ring. But um, it's funny. I came across a uh, a video the other day on on YouTube, and it was me and it and it someone had put it up. It was like um, Matty Evans, uh, Valley British Champion Valley Chudo, uh, and I was doing an interview with Bob Sykes, and uh, it was showing my fight. That I had, so I'm kind of doing, and, and I look, I'm probably about 20 or 21, yeah. so it's like probably the better part of 23 years ago, and I kind of thought, oh, I, I kind of saved it and showed it to my boys, yeah. um, but I was so young, you know, and and even when I was watching the fight, I was thinking, I weren't that good then. <laughs> I was still pretty good, obviously at the time. You know, and the level now is is through the roof. The, the, some of the MMA fighters out there now are absolutely am- amazing. Um, I just hope that coming from like um, a martial arts background, not like coming from a karate background, etiquette, respect, kind of um, looking up to people, learning from people was a big part of that. And and, I'm, and I hope the MMA fighters now uh, can adopt that martial arts mentality where they'll end up going onto a physical, uh, a spiritual kind of plane instead of it always being so physical. Mm. But yeah, how the level was good. How did you get into fighting? Like, did it start on the street? Like, was that where you learned how to, to handle yourself? Yeah, my, bro- my brother was always a very good, like, natural kind of fighter. And, and being from, like, Willingall and Coventry, there was just times where you just, you kind of had to fight, you know, and I just, I was just seemed to be quite good at it uh, naturally. And then going and training with Jeff from the age of like 14 um, and then boxing as well. Uh, I had a few amateur boxing fights uh, and then doing all the animal days with Jeff, getting beat up, tapping out, you know, getting bashed up by people who I trained with who were better than me, you know, because to get good, you, you train with people who are better than you. You know, I, I used to be really pretty, Alex. You know. Did you? Really? Well, not since that, Yeah, until I met Jeff, yeah. and then That's the only advantage I've got over you. I think I'm better looking, that's it. Okay, we should do a vote on that. <laughs> uh, really, anyway, you're always going to get yeah. the win on that one. because <laughs> um, uh, we're, both, we're both good looking fellas. But yeah, so 
the, the level the level at the time, you know, Jeff always spoke about the, the standard of like black belts in traditional martial arts was was never that great. And I think a lot of it's to do with um because they didn't pressure test their martial arts, you know, and, and martial arts soon kind of goes out the window. Martial arts has got some amazing, amazing um self-defense qualities to it. You know, if it teaches you to be a good, a better person and it, and it makes you more aware, then it's a good self-defense as, as far as I'm concerned. Whether it can teach you to have a fight is a very different thing, you know. And even looking at the MMA fighters now, they're still fighting to rules. You know, when you're outside, the rules are different. You don't want to be fighting outside. You don't want to hurt people, you know. And if someone bites you outside and, you know, they've scarred you for life, you know, I'm a good fighter and I knock someone out and he bangs his head on the on the way down and, and I kill him, I end up in jail. That's not good self-defense. So avoidance is always king. Um but yeah, we got we got to a good we got to a quite a good level. Um especially a lot of a lot of people thought I was a grappler for, for years and years. My first art was karate and then boxing. Um and we were all very good at mixing the styles. So when we could punch, kick and grapple, we were at our best. But we went into these arts to limit ourselves, to make us better at them specific or specific, specific arts. So, but yeah, the le- our level was pretty good. You know, we used to get black belts and people come and train with us from all over and their level wasn't that great, that good. <laughs> you know, so we always, we always did all right. I've, I've heard some stories. Did you grapple with some of the guys from Coventry Rugby Team? This was the latest thing I heard. I have done, yeah. Yeah, did you, basically, did you just have them all out? <laughs> I can't remember. It was a long yeah, time ago. I'm, I'm, I'm probably sure you did. I always remember you saying to me, teaching me in grappling, like that that size and muscle wasn't always an advantage when it, when you're on the ground. Like, Well, I think we proved that, right? Because I'm probably a few stone heavier than you, taller, but yeah. you seem to, well, not seem, you used that strength almost against me. And it's weird, isn't it, when you get into the world of grappling and stuff, like you can be big, you can be strong, you can lift weights. But when you know someone who knows how to grapple, there's no, yeah. mate, I can't explain it because you probably haven't felt this feeling before, but you feel so fucking useless. Like I'll, you're I'll just toy it. <laughs> no, just toy yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's 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 pretty epic when you wrestle with someone who's good. It's, wow. Yeah, the te- when you've got technique, good technique and grappling, like some of the um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu players out there are amazing. You know, like you've got the likes of Neil Simkin, um, mm. you know, Braulio, you know, over in Birmingham. And even in Coventry, they've got some great, great guys. Um, and when you go with people like that and they're just playing with you, you know, like the, the techniques there, I think no matter what, if you've got guys on an equal skill level, if one of them's two stone heavier, there's a there's a there's a good chance he's gonna he's still gonna win, you know. Yeah. A good big guy generally still beats a good, a good little guy, but some of the little guys in the in in grappling, the wrestling, the BJJ, um, they're just amazing. They're, they're, they are amazing, you know. And 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 even the the camaraderie, um, the kind of what they get out of you know doing their arts and and getting tapped out and then climbing up the ladder and, and becoming really good at it. You know, you, you learn a lot from that. You know, you learn a lot from being humbled. Mm. And I got humbled from a very early age, you know. So um, 
although I was a pretty decent level, you know, like the levels are just through the roof. You know, I, I'm, I like to think of myself a bit more now at a spiritual level. I'm still probably low down the ladder on it, but I'm going to keep on climbing that 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 level. And I still like to I still like to be able to take my top off and and have a six pack and be on the beach and feel feel good at myself about myself. Although as long as I'm healthy, it's not really that important. Yeah, you know, no, just motivate me. Yeah, and as we, we, in fact, we spoke to Tony a couple of weeks ago, and me and Tony both kind of like spoke about the fact that I think for a lot of men, violence, you know, it turns them on. Like the thought of it, you know, especially if they've never had a fight. Like I think most lads will relate to this. They, you know, they like the idea of having a fight, but I think when you do actually get into some kind of incident on the street, you see how fucking ugly it is. It's probably yeah. one of the most terrifying things I've faced. Yeah, violence on the street, like you say, where there's no ref. There's no yeah. rule. Like, somebody, like, it feels like somebody's out to kill you. That's what it feels like when you get in a fight, isn't it? It's the last place you want to be. It's the worst-case scenario, isn't it? You know, you, you, you're in a situation where you could you could be dead. Yeah. You know, or you could kill someone else. So it's, it's glamorised. And I think the reason why a lot of us glamorise it, or especially you do when you're a little bit younger, is, is a lot to do with films, social yeah. media, um tv series and and something i've been looking at a little bit lately which i think you made me think of, about it a little bit um was uh, initiations you know in, in this western world we're not really given like any initiations mm. you know like we kind of we, we're probably you know in a, in a strange kind of way we're probably in the safest time we've ever been in mm. in history um but i think in the Western world, sometimes young men, and probably, I don't know if sport's the right word, but, you know, the poverty's not as as big as it was when, like, when even when I was a kid or when my parents were kids. Um, so, you know, people are getting a lot of what they want materially. So they're not going into any initiations, which can make them become a man. Mm. You know, like, I'm, I'm, like, I look at my my two boys. My, my oldest is going to university, which is kind of I think is going to be a bit of his initiation. He'll go to university and come back as a man. And then my youngest is is as actually just a couple of days ago applied to go into the RAF, which is again is probably going to be like his initiation. Mm. You know, so I got it through getting beaten up and learning how to have a fight. You know, and, and standing there in Animal Day, having to fight someone, you know, that's that's kind of how I got my initiation. You, you don't have to get your initiation that way, you know. But as a as a young man, you kind of want to be able to grow into being that man, you know. And that's why I think we all glamorise violence because we feel like if we can have a fight, we're a man. When it's just not true at all, really. You know, like if you take responsibility for yourselves you're showing that you're a man. If you take responsibility for your actions, you're showing that you're a man. Going out on the street and being violent, you're not really taking responsibility for yourself. You know, so it's... How important do you think it is for a guy to be able to handle himself? Like, obviously, you know, you're onto this new world now, this new path. But obviously, you know... uh, you've got there through the physical world, right? Like it's, it's took you there. So like if there's a guy out there, let's say a young guy who um, isn't fit, isn't healthy, uh, you know, can't defend himself. 
Would you still recommend that that's a path that they might want to go down? Because for me, it gave me a lot of confidence, even though I didn't want to have a fight, just to learn how to throw a fucking awesome left hook. Yeah. But I think the 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 the, the fighting is like the, the hook. It's what gets people into that world. But the confidence probably actually comes from you feeling good about looking after yourself. Mm. You know, just going and training, you know, starting to eat the right foods. You know, the, the gym world, although there are, there are some dark areas in it, it's got a lot of real positive sides to it. You know, so when you start you start going in, say you're not, so let's not talk about like fighting, but if you go in and you start training and you start doing weight training and you're, you're a little bit overweight, you go in, you start losing that weight, you start talking to people around the gym about food and what you should eat. You start looking good, you've lost weight, you start feeling good about yourself. You know, you might not have learned how to throw a punch, but you've learned how to look after yourself. You've learned how to, you know, and for me, that's just still self-defense. It's a different form of self-defense, but it's still defense of oneself. So that's that's always gonna that's always gonna help you out. You know, so learning how to throw a punch might make you feel better and it might make you feel confident, but it all falls under the same banner of of training. For, for me, that's that's kind of where I see it, you know, because no matter how good you are at fighting, if you're outside and someone puts a knife in you, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> you know, you're still going to be stabbed. So, yeah, I mean, how damaging is it? How damaging is it for a man to get into a violent confrontation and not have a clue how to handle it? Like, should a man know how to to, to def- or at least have a chance? Of defending himself, or do you not think it's that important now? No, I don't. I don't. I, I think it's a very, very small area, a very small area. Like r- realistically, if you spoke to a thousand men, and you, you know, like from all different, from from a lot of different areas, and then you worked out the statistics of how many of them have actually had a fight or needed to have a fight, the number would probably be quite low. So obviously it depends on what areas you go to. You know, I was brought up on a council estate. Um, there was quite a lot of poverty. People were kind of literally fighting to get out, you know. Or So if you take a thousand men from them kind of areas and you said the same thing, you know, the numbers might be higher. But generally a lot of it's about who your male role models are, you know, who your who your dad is you know, or who your uncle might be, or, you know, that that kind of positive male role model in your life can can be the difference. You know, more, or, the more, opposite, more, or the opposite, right? Yeah, or the opposite, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the opposite, you know, and something I've learned from teaching a lot of young men uh, is that a lot of them are looking for someone to look up to and, and to be a, a positive role model, you know, so... Um, and that's a great thing. My, my son, my oldest son, who's, who's quite academic, very academic, um, he's, he still sometimes thinks I'm a bit of a Neanderthal. He can't believe why I'd want to actually have a fight. And he's, he, he's boxed, you know, he can he, he can do it himself. He loves training, but he just thinks it's a bit like a small area. It's a very, very small area. Do you not think there's something like instinctual that every man has inside them that makes them question whether they can have a fight or not. Like it, it always feels quite instinctive to me. Like I wanted to know, I wanted to find out, I wanted to 
sharpen up my hands. I dreamt about violence. I think about violence. It's like you say, I think you consume it, don't you? You consume it in movies. Consuming too much. Yeah. That's why I think because if you're consuming a lot, like people still like I've, I've had people get in touch with me recently, like not that long ago, and sort of go, I, I really want to do an animal day. But do you still do the animal day like format? And, and I'm I'm there thinking, you know, without trying to be disrespectful to that person, you know, if you want to go and learn how to have a fight and, and have a fight, it's very easy to do that now. You know, there's so many mixed martial arts gyms, there's so many cage fighting competitions, it's quite easy to do. You know, so really that that area that wasn't like that when I was younger. You know, there wasn't that kind of idea. You know, there was the boxing and you know, that was, the boxing was probably the main thing in the martial arts. Whereas now, you know, if, if if you really that really does interest you, go and make some money from it at least. Go and get paid for doing it instead of like just kind of wanting to be that that hard man because <laughs> it's not going to get you anywhere. Mm. You know, really. You know, it's and I, and I do I do agree with you when you say you kind of get this feeling like when most men um. If if they expect if they they're expecting or if their partner's expecting and they're going to have kids, you kind of even myself I got like an overwhelming fear that I wanted to, I wanted to be able to provide I wanted to be able to look after my kids I wanted to be a good example, um, and I wanted to be a responsible parent, mm. uh, and I got and 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 I can understand why someone would get that kind of fear thinking I can't even look after my my partner. You know, but if you concentrate on looking after yourself, everything else will kind of follow that. You know, so if you if you look after yourself, you can start looking after other people. You know, and that's and that's why it's important. But women don't women don't women don't feel like they have to have a fight. No, women this is why, fight. this is why I'm wondering. It, it's a male thing, right? So I'm always wondering, Matty, like because you know you can have a fight, because you've had a fight, because you know you can knock someone out, because you've had things thrown at you. Whether you no longer feel the need to do that versus the guy who's never been tested, and like, can he be tested in a different environment and get the same reward? Yeah, I think he can. I think. The thing when you learn that you can have a fight is that you learn how vulnerable you are as well. Because there are still people out there who could knock me out or, you know, who could beat me in a fight. Um, so there is a little bit of that, you know, and yeah. some people never grow out of that. They always yeah. still want to be the best. You know, they, 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 they've lived a long life and they're, they're still trying to be compete with the, with the up-and-coming, you know, youngsters. You know, instead of stepping back and guiding them and helping them go through, you know, so I, I get the concept of people wanting to have a fight and I can sit here and say, well, it's not really that important because I can do it. You know, it's like talking to a millionaire and him saying money's not that important, you know, but he's a millionaire. So it doesn't matter that much to him. If it motivates you and you're you're doing it for the right reasons, it doesn't matter what you're doing, does it? You know, if you fight, if you're going to learn how to fight, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're learning how to fight so you can go out on the street and be horrible, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. If it's something to do with your confidence or your self worth, there are other ways of getting it instead of just learning how to have a fight. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I read this book a few months ago, and I think it was called something like Warrior Magician. 
uh, King and Lover. It's like the four personalities of a guy, and like you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. that. And again, that was about initiation, and I, th- I can totally understand that. I think that's lacking, like you say, positive, strong role models for a lot of young guys, and well, not even young guys, just men in general. Now, I think it's men in general. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's lacking, and I think for some dudes, they think they can make that up by learning how to have a fight. Yeah. I think that that's one thing. So, um, yeah, so look, th- like up until a couple of years ago, things were, were quite calm for you, right? You were coaching a lot. You had loads of clients. Uh, yeah. You were teaching self-defense. You were teaching people how to, to live healthier lives. And then you were out on your bike one day and boom, like you have this accident that, that set you back quite a long way. Yeah. Well, riding a motorbike isn't good self-defense, is no. it? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, a big lesson, a big lesson learned. And, when I look back at my accident now, um, I've been in lockdown for a long time compared to everyone else. I kind of I had my accident in uh, November the 13th, 2019. Um, I broke my wrist. I broke my left ankle. Uh, I shattered my right fibula and tibia. So I was in a wheelchair for three months. My toe came out of its socket, which in my first surgery, they, they missed it. I don't know how it was pointing to the ceiling, but I've, that's been fixed. Um, I think I think the, the journey I was going on, something needed to slow me down. And I think I, I look at it, I might be totally wrong about this, but I look at it as in the, the, the world, the universe kind of aspired with me to kind of slow me down and to look at other options. I think I was heading down that path anyway, um, but it just took me there a little bit quicker. Um, so again, a lot, a lot of soul searching, um, getting back up again. I got knocked down and, and I was determined to get back up. Broken bones are easy to fix compared to broken hearts, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and most people have broken hearts at some point or another, you know, so I knew I'd get back. I knew I'd get back to training every day and, and it just took me down a, di- a little bit of a different path. Um, it made me research a few things that I'm I'm, I'm really interested in. Uh, it kind of played with my ego a little bit, which my ego was dissolving a little bit. Um, and it helped the chief. You know, you're talking about these stages of life. It, it helped my um, my Indian chief kind of come to the front and say, right, what's, what's next? And my warrior was still there, you know, and he was training and trying to get back to physical fitness. Um, but I had to look at I had to look at ways of still stepping out of the comfort zone without it being so physical, you know. So I started reading a few books that were hard to read, you know, and, and I started to um I started to write. So I wrote down about when I come off my, my, my motorbike and the time I spent in hospital, which was horrific. <laughs> it was worse than the, the, the accident. Um yeah, and I, and I started journaling and I started writing about that and I, and I realised when you write that kind of thing down, you know, anyone, I, I advise any, well, you know, each to their own, but, you know, a great way of therapy is write down your experiences, even if you're not going to share them with anyone. You write that down on paper and it's like a release. It's like you let it go. Um, I started bringing my breathing exercises into it a little bit, um, cold therapy, bringing that in so I was still trying to work on on myself um but it was a more kind of 
mental, spiritual kind of way of working on myself. I had the nutrition, which I've had for a long time now. Um, I've tweaked that, still always kind of tweaking that. Um, again, from being around people like Jeff and Glenn um, at quite a young age, you learn about food. I thought I knew, I thought I was quite good when I used to compete with my eating. But when I look back at what I used to eat then, I was rubbish, you know. And, and again, learning about nutrition is, is a massive part of, of self-defense you know you are what you eat kind of thing so again the motorbike accident i look back on it now like a, a bit of a blessing you know it's it's kind of made me realize what's important in my life um it made me realize that sometimes we can just work our lives away and not step back and appreciate what we've got and it's just made me have be a little bit more simple just the simple things are quite happy for me. I work on myself internally, not externally. You know, whereas for a long time I was chasing money, um, chasing violence. And when you get it, you kind of go, what's next? You know, and, and it's because you're working on external, not internal. When you start working on yourself internally, you can sit there and go, actually, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm quite content, you know. So, and there's always things, more things from that I want to do. And um, like I said to you earlier, I'm I'm quite excited. Coming off my bike uh, made me go down a little bit of a different path, a path I'm pretty sure I've got to in the end. Um, but it made me get there quicker. So, I've I've taken so many positives from it that it's just been um, just another time in my life where I got knocked down. And I got back up again. And, and when I did get back up, I was bigger, mentally bigger, you know, so not so much physically bigger, but mentally I felt stronger, you know. So, yeah. Mate, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an amazing attitude that, that you've got. Uh, and you mentioned, like, the cold the cold kind of therapy, cold water therapy. I did a bit of work with the Wim, High, Wim Hof guy last week. Oh, brilliant. Um, I still scream like, like a fucking bitch in those cold showers. It's all right, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, you know, you've got to I, know, yeah. I don't know what we do, but I go from just like nice and hot, just boom, straight to straight yeah, to cold. Straight. I haven't managed to get in with it being straight cold. cold mate. Straight cold, as cold as you can go. The winter was great because it was snowing and you could go and sit outside in the snow for a bit with my shorts on. And it just really get it. It's kind of like the way Wim Hof explains it uh, on his 30 day audio challenge. Is fantastic, you know, because he's a very kind of positive, every man's man, you mm. know, like, or, you know, every person's person, you know, you can relate to him. He's got a great story, but the way he explains the science behind it. And for me, it was just, it was just another part of my strength and conditioning training. You've got to get conditioned. You can't be as soft as we are when it comes to cold weather and then get in a cold shower and go, this is a doddle. You're going to hyperventilate. But the the conditioning is about keep on doing it, like you would with a bicep curl. Yeah, you know you've got no problem doing that. You know you've probably done them in your sleep. You know, but when you first started, I'm sure you looked at them big weights and went, "I'll get there one day." You know, and it's the same with the cold showers. You might start off with five seconds. Next day you might do ten. You know, you might relapse and say, "I'm never doing them again." But it's just such an easy 
accessible thing for every man, woman, and child. And the benefits are just amazing. They're absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, we had so, a guy, we had a guy come in last week and do one of the trainings like like you did for for the inside group, and uh, yeah, all the guys now are going through the the hardship and the the mental yeah. challenges. Yeah, but I love that period before you go to turn it cold because you have that little dialogue with yourself. You yeah. say, well, you know, what the fuck am I doing this? What's the point? But yeah, I love I love that mental battle. I love kind of making notes of it. And like you yeah. say, there's there's various ways of challenging yourself, and uh, believe it or not. Having a cold shower is a pretty good way to do it. It's, it's, it's such a, an accessible way for anybody. Anybody who can literally stand or sit in a shower can can literally test test themselves. You know, literally test themselves every day and get step out of that comfort zone every yeah. day. You know, you don't need to go and get punched in the face for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the mental battle's still there. I still put my shower on cold. Put my timer on. Step into the, sh- take a deep breath. Step into the shower, and I literally say to myself, "Step into the fear." The first thing I do when I get in that cold shower is breathe out. So that breath out is important because you'll breathe back in anyway, you know. So that breathe out is really important for me. Uh, and now I just do it, and it's kind of like it's part of my routine. Yeah. So I've made it part of my routine. It wasn't easy at first. My wife still thinks I'm nuts. Um, but, again, the science behind it, if you actually read the science behind it, it's a great self-defence tool. You know, it's really good for you. Yeah. Really good for you. Absolutely. I'm enjoying it. And then, obviously, during, like you say, your lockdown was a bit longer because, you know, you, you had the rehab. Yeah. And then we went into lockdown. And then, me and you, you know, I called you up and me and you spoke and you said you were thinking of, of, of taking on some kind of challenge, but you didn't give away too much. And that really... That pissed me off because I was like, what's Matty up to now? And I really wanted to know. And then I called you yeah. again and you said, uh, Alex, I've, I've, you know, I've been to Costa Rica. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what's that all about? And then you started to tell me about, uh, I, I think I keep saying it right, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah, ayahuasca, yeah. So for those who don't know what it is, because I didn't know until you mentioned it to me, and then I went away and did a little bit of reading and study on it. Um, yeah, tell people firstly, like, what is ayahuasca? We'll talk about the, the ceremony in a minute, but what specifically is ayahuasca? So ayahuasca is like a, it's a plant medicine that um, they use in like parts of South, well, most of South America, uh, and the healers, and uh, they call them maestros. Some people refer to them as, as shamans. Um, they're healers and they kind of they heal themselves with it and they heal their um, tribes and their families with it and have done for thousands and thousands of years it's, it's a psychedelic so you do get visions from it um, and you, you do kind of it opens your consciousness up so yeah it's, it's a plant medicine so it's 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 a healthy way of kind of therapy in, in a weird way so when you say plant, is it a, is it a mushroom or? No, it's not a mushroom. It's it's basically it's a plant. It's the ayahuasca vine. So it's a vine, and and what it is is somehow they found out. They say the the plant medicine told them, but they get they get the ayahuasca vine, and then they get another plant. Um, it's escape or what it is, but when you take um ayahuasca or DMT, dimethyltryptamine, when you take that orally, it doesn't work because we've got enzymes in our stomach that stop it from working. But what they did is they mix it with another plant 
which is like an MAI inhibitor, and that helps the um, ayahuasca work or orally. So you can take it in a drink, and uh, it can last anywhere between sort of six to eight hours. Um, but yeah, they put the two plants together. How how they did that in in the middle of like the Amazon jungle um, with no kind of I don't know doctors science they did that thousands of years ago you know and they say the plants told them and, and they have to obviously live in in these jungles and they cure themselves with plants and and everything else um so yeah so that's that's what ayahuasca is uh and again I, you know I still need healing you know I'm still always trying to heal myself heal myself from some of the traumas that I've been through um it did a pretty good job of it actually and what I love about psychedelic, you know, people out there, if they don't realize with, with psychedelic therapy, psychedelic therapy is is going to be, is, I think there's the first ketamine uh, clinics opened on Monday in Bristol, um, which is a funny, it's not quite, it's classed as a psychedelic, but it's it's the only legal psychedelic in the UK that they use. But in America, they're running like um, psilocybin, like magic mushroom um, clinics, LSD clinics, uh, MDMA clinics. So these psychedelics are really helping people who've suffered from PTSD. There's been a lot of um, lot of people who are in lot who've got can, uh, terminal cancer and and uh, uh, basically have got a lot of anxiety because they're going to die. They're giving them like um, high doses of um, psilocybin. And they're getting these spiritual experiences from them. It's all done in a clinical setting. There's doctors, there's sitters, um, there's integration people there to help them with it afterwards. But these people are going in who are, who are terminally ill with cancer, can't move because they've got anxiety because they're going to die. They have these um, macro doses, so these high doses of psilocybin. And then after their exper after their treatment, they're okay. They're okay that they're going to die. They've accepted it. They can live whatever time of life they've got left and be in a good place. So the the results out there are, are absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, there's a lot of tape to get through. Um, there's still a lot of a stigma with psychedelics. Um, they're not a recreational drug. They're not using them recreationally. Uh, and it's, it's quite a big thing, you know, and it's something that, you know, I like, the people that I got involved with, um, with a retreat I went to was called Soltara, and they had Shabibo Maestro, some healers who really helped me. Um, and it's very professional. It's very kind of, you know, they, they take it quite seriously. There's a lot of respect there. Um, and even just the um, preparation for taking ayahuasca is good therapy. It's great therapy. You know, the, the, the the actual psychedelics are only one part of the therapy. The other stuff, the other part of the therapy is good. But they make you look at your diet. You've got to get really strict on your diet. You literally become like a vegan. So you strip off caffeine, you strip off um, dairy products. Um, I'm a vegetarian anyway now, so I have been for nearly a couple of years. So I don't eat meat. I do eat fish still. Um, so, yeah, you look at your diet. Uh, mm -hmm. The diets they follow are very organic, a very plant-based kind of diet. Um, no caffeine, 
no sex, no alcohol, no recreational drugs. Um, so yeah, even just the preparation. If you if you just prepared for an ayahuasca ceremony without taking the ayahuasca, you'd probably find yourself in a really good place physically and mentally. So and that's what really attracted me to it as well. The fact that they're not kind of going, yeah, take that, it'll make you feel better. There's still the process of working on yourself. And that's what um, I still really enjoy about it. You know, I'll, I'll probably go and do it again. Um, I feel, still feel I've got a little bit of, uh, di- I've got to dive a little bit deeper with it, you know, and just some of the people I've met from it, the, the authenticity, um, people generally just want to help and they just want to see you and everyone doing doing well, you know, and, and, and enjoying life. And talking about their problems and their, you know, their traumas, because it's not just the ayahuasca that makes you feel better. It's the sharing, it's the preparing, you know, and the integration as well. The setting, setting is really important. Who you do it with is really important. Really, it sounds like really fascinating. I was a bit, obviously, because I've never, i never really heard anyone speak about it. It was just yeah. that's new to me. The preparation, by the way, sounds easy. Like, you know, no booze, no sex. Mate, that's <laughs> it's a standard week. It's a standard week yeah. for me. But I, I heard this interesting stat the other day that, um, you know, cannabis again in America now is being used to treat yeah. a lot of the same things you've spoke about. And they were saying there's 3,000 deaths a year in the UK from painkiller addiction. So just paracetamols, you know, overuse, yeah. things like that. And there's zero from from cannabis. There's zero deaths from, from cannabis. Yeah. It, it's fascinating with the stats, how, yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. It, it's strange. Oh, yeah. I was speaking to sorry? Mom, um, sorry, mate. I was speaking to my mum and dad about uh, the idea of psychedelics and stuff. And obviously, you know, it's it's a bit of a taboo subject kind of thing. Um, but we're saying, like, if you think mind mind altering drugs, that's what an antidepressant is, pretty much. They try and alter your state of mind. So, yeah. thinking about it as a natural thing that alters your kind of sense well, of state, then good thing, right? What I've learned with psychedelics, what a lot of them do is they they kind of reset your brain. So a lot of them attach to like the dopamine and the, and the serotonin receptors, and um, you don't get that up and then down off them. It keeps the it keeps the dopamine at a good level. It keeps the serotonin at a good level. So it kind of resets your brain. So any any negative thoughts you may be having, or any any like um, neurological pathways that you've built that are, that aren't very positive, it kind of resets them again. So it's like you press the reset button. And you can start again. And so you can start building. But you're building from a more positive place. Whereas I think a lot of the um the antidepressants and that kind of opiates that they, they give you, that they, they're more of a plaster where they're putting a plaster over a over something that needs to be treated. So you become a statistic, they're not gonna cure you, you know, and, and, and that's not saying psychedelics are gonna cure you, but they're doing a pretty good job of it. The, the statistics on them are, are absolutely through the roof. And even through like um, addictions, there's, there's certain psychedelics that I began that, that they're having really good um, results uh, from getting people off heroin and even stopping people from drinking alcohol and even giving up smoking. And the results are like 70, 80%. The, the thing is, is with, with the psychedelics is you're not going to need to take them every day. You'll be taking them very rarely. You know, some people are taking them once and that's enough. They're kind of, you know, and, and the results they're getting through the PTSD 
You know, there's a lot of veteran veterans out there, you know, who've served their countries, who we should be proud of and we should be helping. And they've literally just been thrown back on the street into civvy world after seeing some of their friends get blown up in front of, you know, in their face. And then they're expected to live a normal life. And, and the psychedelics are really helping these people. You know, they're, they're really helping them out. So, you know, we can't hide from them. We're, we're, we're a few years behind America. Um, but the research is there. You only need to show, like, even with your mum and dad, you, should, you go on YouTube and, you you know, even if you typed in um, terminally ill cancer patient with psychedelics and, and you read some of these people and, and how it's helped them, you know, it's it's a crime to not allow that to happen. You know, therapy is one of the few areas of like where doctors and, and therapists, they don't cure people as such. They kind of like they can ha- they help people loads and some people do get cured. But generally, the, the figures aren't very high and people keep going back. They keep going back for counselling. They keep going back for therapy. And I think that's important and it's part of it. but when you give someone an antidepressant, you're not really getting to the root of the problem. You know, whereas psychedelics, you get into the root of the problem, you're resetting that button again, and people are able to keep on to start again and to go to go forward with it. Is there a danger, uh, and I don't know if you've read anything, um, that you can be shown something after taking a psychedelic that you just can't handle? Um, you know, is that a danger that it shows you almost too much truth? Uh, that that can be a, that can be a problem with with ayahuasca. Like, if it will show you something that you might not want to see, and the more you resist it, the kind of darker it gets. Whereas you kind of have to surrender to it and give yourself up to it. But this is where I think the preparation comes in, and this is where a lot there's some great therapists out there at the moment. Bristol uh, Imperial College. You know, people don't realise there's a psychedelic um, – Imperial College has got its own psychedelic uh, centre. So do you know what I mean? It's one of the best universities in the world. It's in, right. I think it's the top ten. You know, and, and there's people like uh, Robin Carr-Harris, uh, um, David Nutt, um, Ben Sasser, who, who, are, who are doing a really good job and are really helping people out. And, you know, people don't even realise it. It's in London. You know, it's, it's there. It's here already. But because of the red tape and because of the stigma and because of the war on drugs, you know, that that happened a long time ago, you know, we're, we're kind of free to do what we want, really. You know, if we want to if I want to look at my own conscious, I, I should be allowed to do that. But I need to be preparing myself for it. But like you say if someone is shown something and they haven't had any therapy, haven't done any preparation for it. You know, it's it's going to be scary shit. It is scary. It's mm. scary. Any any time you put a mirror up to yourself, is scary stuff. Any time you bring stuff out from ten years ago, it's, it's scary stuff. But with the right preparation, the right set and setting, and the right integration, um, I think it can definitely help. It's helped me. Well, I mean, that, and that's, I think that's the most important thing. I think you have to experience these things because unfortunately, like, for example, the war on drugs. I mean, the war on drugs has been happening for years and years and years and the problem's getting worse and worse. So that doesn't work, you know, try, trying to blast yeah. out those from Mexico. That, that's, it's right yeah. it's worse than ever. And um, what's filled me with confidence is there's some really credible people like Graham Hancock out there 
talking really openly and sensibly about the benefits of of psychedelics so is there anything in particular that you can kind of like briefly set, tell us that like you saw or you witnessed that kind of has affected how you then have gone on to to, to live your life um yeah it's kind of it's, it's a bit strange really i've kind of been i've been shown this beautiful kind of world i had just literally had a glimpse of it and uh yeah, it's just made me really enjoy my life so much more. It really, really has. You know, like I said, I'm, I've kind of lost a little bit of that fear of death. So it's made me want to make the most of life, make the most of my time here. Um, but it helped me with some trauma. You know, it helped me with the trauma of losing my brother. You know, the trauma that I thought I'd kind of buried away. I'd, um, it was still there a bit, you know, and sometimes when that trauma's buried away, it might have been 15 years ago that it happened, but it comes out in other ways. You know, so it might come out in a way where you're feeling a bit sad and a bit lonely a bit too often. You know, and that might be some trauma that you've had since you were a kid. And what the ayahuasca did for me is it kind of highlighted that trauma. And with the healer's help, it kind of helped me exercise that trauma. And it showed me how to deal with that trauma in the future, you know, and, and, it made me feel really close to nature, which I kind of do anyway, you know, but it, it took it to another level and it made me feel connected to other humans as well. I've always been quite private, but now I'm kind of, you know, I'm quite happy to go on a, like doing this, even just doing this, mm. you know, just, I think, you know, this will be going out on, on Facebook. Is that, is that right? Is it? I'm not on social media, Alex, anymore. So. <laughs> It's going live on Facebook now, my man. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, listen to you. Yeah, you know, social media has got a place. You know, it's part of this world. You know, but like anything, if you abuse it or people abuse it, it can be negative. Whereas I'm hoping this is a positive format. And yeah, so um, psychedelic therapy, you're working on yourself, and I've I've got a routine I, I do literally every day where I'm working on myself. So anything that can help me work on myself is, you know, and can help me and, and help my life and, and can help other people in my life uh, has got to be a benefit. You know, if, I'm sure if you ask my two boys and, and even my wife and my sisters, um, if they've benefited from my experience, they, they, they seem to think I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different person, like, you know, so in a positive way as well. I'm, I'm going to prod you again because you, you, okay. you can't you can't punch me from where you're at. So I can I can I can give it loads now. <laughs> I won't punch you now, more anyway, Alex. What well, uh, what did you actually see then? Because I'm I'm really interested in obviously people keep referring. They're shown things. They're shown images. They're shown direction. They're given clarity. They're shown some not nice things. They're shown some 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 pleasant things. Yeah. Like, what, what did you what did you actually witness when you when you when you took the ayahuasca? <laughs> It's very hard to um, talk about the hallucinations that you get from it because they're they're sort of so kind of multi-dimensional and and they're so at the first time I, I took it they were so fast and furious um, that they're very very hard to explain. There's some great artwork out there um, by people who've drew about their experiences. Um, Alex Gray, I think there's a guy out there. There's, anyway, you could just put it in the internet and, and some of the things you'll see, you know, they're the kind of things you see. Um, the, the, the couple of ceremonies that I had 
but I didn't get that many visuals. But I was like in dialogue. I saw my brother. So I kind of saw my brother. Um, I got shown how the trauma I had from losing my brother and, you know, how I've, I've kind of not spoke about it as much to the people. Like my, my boys were young. My, my, my oldest was kind of like about two years old and, and Joshua, Joshua, my youngest, came along literally two weeks after losing Lee. Sarah found out she was pregnant with Joshua. So he came at a time where, you know, we were, you know, we had a funeral, you know, he was in Sarah's stomach. So children are pretty good. They can feel things. The energy there must have been a very strange energy. And and since coming back, the, the ayahuasca showed me that I needed to speak to my sons about it a little bit more, to explain a little bit more about my past, about my life, about what I've been through. Um, about going to the Caledon Centre, about losing Lee, you know. Um, so I, I shared that a little bit more of them. And, it, and, and although that ceremony was a really pretty tough, probably the hardest thing I've ever done, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a nice ceremony. Um, it also showed me love at the end of the ceremony, which made me feel like really good. And it was like I kind of, I hugged, it was like I hugged my brother. I got to ask my brother things that I've never really been brave enough to ask him. You know, and I don't know if it works where you kind of just talking to yourself on a higher level. But either way, you know, like I said earlier, if you're writing down a traumatic experience in your life, even if you're not going to show it to someone, it's like you're releasing it. You're kind of shedding your skin. You're taking that monkey off your back, you know. So, yeah, it's hard to quite ex explain uh, some of the stuff that went on. Um, I've wrote it all down, actually. I've actually journaled it all. Uh, but the the lessons I got from it were just, I just feel uplifted and I feel very, very positive um, about life. I always have anyway, Alex. You, you kind of know that. I've always kind of been half full instead of half empty. Um, but I just feel I've gone to a different level. You have, I can tell. Uh, I, I can just tell in conversation. Yeah. The thing that, do you know what the thing that stops me from even contemplating doing it is I, I'm scared. I, I'm, yeah. I'm scared to take it. I'm scared of putting things yeah. in my body like that. I'm scared of what I'll see. I'm scared of who I'll be when I return. There, yeah. There's a lot of fear around it, but I think that also tells me that it's kind of, it's almost it's almost attracting me to it as well. Like, I know there's something there, yeah. but there's a big barrier, big big load of fear there. What would Jeff say? There's no, there's no growth in comfort. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> what would happen yeah. to the pharmaceutical world though if if this got out? If cannabis was like, yeah, it's good, it's legit, it can help you. What happens to the pharmaceutical world? Do we care? No, but people do because there's money made. Yeah, but obviously the the problem with the sort like MDMA's like in phase three in America. So basically by next year they'll be doing there'll be there'll be clinics. That will be giving out MDMA therapy. Um, there's a guy called Rick Doblin who's who's been amazing for that for that world. He's he's fought for literally years and years um, because it's the right thing to do. Um, and obviously, the, the problem with a pharmaceutical company is that with psychedelics, it's not always going to be that easy. You know, there's are, there are people who aren't. It's not going to work for. It's not going to be for everyone. But the success rate they're having on it can sometimes be eighty percent. 
So if someone goes and has a psychedelic and then they don't need to have another psychedelic either again or until the year later or even six months later, that's not how the pharmaceutical companies work. You know, they want people to be taking medication every day, you know, but I'm sure somewhere along the line, even with these pharmaceutical companies, when they first started off, you know, there's still, there's doctors, there's scientists involved. And, and I'm sure, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to believe that these people are, are genuinely trying to make people better. You know, like your GP who might give you antidepressants, which some, some people do need them, you know, then, you know, they can help people out. You know, I'm sure that doctor in, in an ideal world would be able to, would like to spend more time with that person. But because when they're overrun and overworked and probably underpaid, they don't get the chance to do that kind of therapy with people, you know. But it's not good for the farm. I wouldn't have thought it's good for the pharmaceutical company. No, you know, I, but- think I think that's part of the stall. I think there's, I think there is, unfortunately, uh, some money-driven motivators that almost kind of like are a little bit nervous about these these kind of like you say plant medicines because if they're yeah. for everything they're told like they're said you know and the research is true and they're really you know they're really helpful yeah. then it rules out a lot of need for the for some of these um, antidepressants and, and some yeah. other medications so you know 16 years old i walked into the doctors you know my heart rate was pounding i had terrible anxiety and the the only thing was beta blockers so these beta blockers yeah. slow your heart rate down the same stress and the same worry and the same problems were still there, but the anxiety uh, was not. So it's it's definitely the go-to, and I think yeah, there's a there's a big fear. But me and you are both big Joe Rogan fans, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I'm loving listening to the stuff, but I'm actually getting a bit down listening to it because there's so many great credible guests going on saying there's a lot of cover-ups happening in the world. There's a lot of people getting in the way trying to hide things and you know i listened to the latest one with a guy called jamie something it was talking about the, the, the coronavirus stemming from from wuhan and how the chinese have tried to cover a lot of things up and they could have saved a lot of lives if they were just honest about the fact that it could have been a, a possible leak and you just think how are we ever going to get anywhere when everybody or every country or every government seems to have a motive and and it doesn't seem like the best interests are ever people's health it's always a, a, you know a government or a financial drive or people are always trying to cover shit up or look after themselves and i'm thinking how do we ever get past that point it's psychedelic it's psychedelic going to play a role in that yeah I, I think you know now's the time for plant medicine you know now's the time for plant-based diets you know it's, vegetables have always been there plants are always there a part of mother nature they're here to help us I think what you're talking about there, and, and it's 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 funny. I haven't watched a Joe Rogan podcast for for quite a long time now. Actually, mm. um, I do. I'm still very choosy, picky, and choosy over who I watch. Um, I, I'm watching a lot of things now. I'm sitting on a lot of like. Um, I sat on a. There was a screening last week called Breaking Through, by um, Guy. I can't remember his name. He was a, he was a soldier, and he's, he took a psychedelic, and it's helped him with the PTSD. He's doing a lot of the the help for heroics, so it's like um these these military kind of um, charities. Oh, help for heroes! Help for heroes! Sorry, yeah, that's it. Um, so uh, and again, and I'm sitting there listening to doctors talking about positive things and positive therapy, and again, for me, what you're talking about there about this kind of like where media can kind of make you think shit you know i like this person i like listening to this 
this guy, you know, with Joe Rogan, that podcast. But sometimes there's things on there that just are a little bit too negative. It all comes back, I think, to looking after yourself, to trying to be the shepherd of your own body. You know, a lot of people want people to tell them what to do, to tell them what to take, to tell them this, to tell them that. I think if we sit back and actually just look at ourselves and look at health, you know, things that we can do for ourselves that can make us better internally, then I think you're starting with the root of the problem. If you're looking for an external thing that's going to make you better, you're probably always going to fail, you know. So um, it's important for me to have more routine, routine that I know is going to be tough sometimes, and some days I'm not going to want to do it, but that I'm always going to do literally every day. Uh, that's going to be beneficial to me. It's going to make me feel good. Um, that's going to make me happy. But it's all internal work, you know. We're so like there's so much chatter. We've got to be filled up with chatter, with music, with whatever, even watching too many podcasts, reading too many books. It's like sometimes you've got to go, right, what am I going to apply? What am I going to do? You know, like like you were saying, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, last week, was it? You took two days off all everything, everything electronic-based. Uh, well, wow. yeah. so, okay. so what I did, I had a, a two-day ban of any music any TV, any YouTube, any noise, basically. Yeah. I worked on my laptop. Yeah. But yeah. There, was, there was, you know, there was no noise. You know, and I, I realised I've never driven my car, Matty, uh, without the music on. So I've never heard the engine. I've never heard, I know it sounds bizarre, and I've never trained either in silence. Yeah. And it was interesting. But um, something we've spoke about before, I always feel like, you know, when you go on these journeys or people contemplate going on these journeys where they're saying, look, I'm going to I'm going to limit the amount of information I take in. I'm going to step away from social media. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kind of try and change the way I do things. It's quite a lonely journey, isn't it? We've spoken yeah. about it because not many yeah. people do it. No. So but I'm not doing it for anyone else. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's how I'm trying to look at it. I'm, I'm doing it for myself. I'm hoping to lead by example. And I'm hoping people get a bit of, you know, if people do get to see me or, or to be around me, that they get a little bit of more positive energy. I just want to try and give off that positive energy. And, and you know, like, like I said, social media can be brilliant, you know, but we've got a lot of information. Like YouTube, YouTube can be brilliant. But just be a little bit more picky about what you watch, you know. And, and if you do watch something, um, one of the last podcasts I watched on Joe Rogan was um, James Nestor. He wrote a book called Breathe, which is a fantastic book. And he just talks about breathing through your nose and how, you know, obviously it included some of the Wim Hof thing with it as well. Um, you know, we've literally forgotten how to breathe. You know, that's how bad a place that some people are. Some people don't. I've told a few people they don't realise they should be breathing through their nose, you know, and, and, and we go to extremes. Again, my wife takes the mickey out of me because I take my mouth up at night <laughs> i had to do it because i was i was actually breathing through my mouth when i fell asleep so i've had to train myself to breathe through my nose anyone who snores who's listening to this might want to have a look look into this because you literally can change the way you are but the saying shut your mouth was supposedly came from 
from from a long time ago when when teachers would tell the children to shut their mouth because if you're a mouth breather it's, it's an insult you know it means you're breathing through your mouth and it's not good for you you know and just little things like that but i watched the joe rogan that i watched that on joe rogan who's, who's brilliant you know he's, he's a great interviewer he's got some great people on there i've got a lot of information from the psychedelics from joe rogan um but i watched that podcast and what did i do i brought the book and then i've, I've applied some information i'm still applying the information so I'm not even ready for my next podcast yet. You know, I've been watching a few of them. Um, Daniel Cleland, who runs Soltara, who's had quite a lot of guests on who talk a lot about ayahuasca. So um, I've been been looking at looking at his podcast a lot more lately. Um, but again, I can be picky. I can be. I don't want to sit there. I know what COVID's done to us. You know, and some people, God bless them, have, have, have suffered from this. Other people haven't. You know, a lot of it's about perception. What are you going to do with your time off? You know, can you sit with it like you did with the other week, the other day, taking all music, taking everything, sitting with yourself, sitting with your own thoughts? That's a harder thing to do than most things. People can't sit with their own thoughts. Go and sit in the garden for 10 minutes without anything. And see how long, you know, time, how long it takes you before you want to try and pick your phone up or, or something. People can't do it. You know, meditation is obviously a great way of doing it. But, you know, it was easier for me to do cold showers and breathing exercises. And now I've started to be able to meditate a lot easier, which I've never been able to do. Yeah. So I think boredom is now it's going to be a thing of the past. I think there's some, you know, there's some digital device or there's something people can always yeah. or always distract themselves with. And I guess the danger is you never really take long enough to open your eyes and have a look at what you actually do want to do with your life. In fact, I, I heard something today speaking about information um, that said, yeah, most people can get to the end of their life and just realise they were distracted for the entirety. Yeah. And what a, what a horrible thing that would would That's be horrible yeah you know, that, yeah that drives me man like, i don't want to yeah. be on my bed saying fucking hell wasted this or wasted yeah. but when you when you sit with yourself and this is what um my my ceremonies with the ayahuasca was very good at it was very good at like letting my true self letting matty evans the real matty evans speak and it was like you're in this communication which felt like kind of telepathic kind of communication with this plant medicine. And every time my ego tried to talk, the medicine would shut my ego up. It would literally just blip it out. So after a while, my ego stopped trying to get involved because it kept saying, yeah, but what about this? What about that? But, but, but. And in the end, it just would it just shut up because it was just being shut up. When you sit on your own, your ego does come to the front quite a lot. And it's trying to take the conversation. Whereas after a while, you learn to um, you, you learn to kind of accept that that silence is is who you really are. And the thoughts come. We get thoughts. You can't stop the thoughts. What you try and do is to not attach to the thoughts. You know, and and that's that's can be that takes a bit of conditioning. So. My training is, is is about strength and conditioning my mind, you know. So I'm taking the same principles from when I learned how to box, when I learned how to grapple. I'm taking them same principles, them same drills, and putting them into different areas of my life, you know, and, and it's exciting. 
there's so much to learn, but I don't want to be distracted. You know, I, I don't want to be distracted by this kind of, you know, I want I want me to be coming forward and, and doing all the talking. No, I, I, absolutely, man. And do you ever have those days still where, like, you know, because obviously when we speak about vulnerability, it's a word that I've really struggled to get my head around because it, it's not it's not a word that I like. It's not something that I feel like I ever want to be, but I totally understand it. And let's face it, you don't really have a choice. You're vulnerable whether you want to be or not. But do you ever have days where you just think, fuck this, man, I feel like a bitch. I want to go back to my old way. I want to let my fists do the talking. I want to at least... Just have a bit of a fucking tear up, just to bring back some fucking steel. Do you ever have days like that where your ego just takes over and makes you think that that's the right path to go down, or do they not exist for you anymore? No, they're getting less and less. I've 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 really learned, especially like going out. I go out on my on my push bike, um, and since I've not taken music with me, and and since my ayahuasca ceremonies as well, I, I'm realizing when my ego's talking. So I realize when that ego's going. Yeah, but if like that guy looked, then you know, and you go, sure. <laughs> and I laugh now. I kind of laugh and I go, I can't believe. But that conversation still, they still try and creep in. That warrior still tries to come to the front sometimes and go, what about me? I'm still here, you know. And I'm like, I know you're there. You're there. You help me survive. Your ego can be very motivational. It can be really beneficial. But it's just when it dominates the conversation. So, yeah, I, I, I do have them them moments. Um, but I'm learning to to shut that ego up, like like the plant medicine did. It shut the ego up, you know. And I'm sort of going, is that really me? Do I really want to punch someone in the face? Do I really want to choke someone out? You know, that person's got a mum, got a dad. He might have kids. Do you really want to do that? For some reason, in our heads, you know, especially when you're watching people getting knocked out on YouTube videos that your mates sending you or or like some porn that your mate's sending you, that you're having a little look and, you know, like, them people are real people. They've got real lives, you know, like, they've got real trauma, you know, and, and I don't want to be adding to that trauma, you know. So I, I do get them moments. I find getting up in the morning and having a cold shower just literally sets me up. I'm ready. I've got my routine, and I'm always going to do my routine. Um, and, yeah, the ego is less involved. I'm sure when I get back to the gym, the ego is going to go, I'm back again kind of thing. But I'm learning. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning to to be authentic and, and to try and be honest, not not lie. Um, and I'm loving it. I'm, 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 I'm still realising I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. And I just want to want to learn and I want to connect. Um you know, beautiful people like yourself. Like you talk about not being, you don't like the idea of being vulnerable. Whenever you come to see me, it's like you always go, oh, right, I can be I can be Alex Myers when I'm with Matty. That's what I get from you when you're with me. It's like you can be yourself. Whereas sometimes I'll see you do things and I think that's not Alex Myers, that's Alex Myers' ego. I've still got a big battle. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not, there's still a lot hanging around. You know, I still, I, I still get my head turned by things that I know don't serve me. Um, but but yeah, you're right. But you said you said something to me the last time we spoke. You probably might not even remember this, but it's it's, it's really stuck with me. You said that life is so precious that you're you're just tired of hurting people, like or, or you or you don't want to hurt people anymore. Yeah. Or even like on a non-physical um, sense, that makes total sense to me. Like you, yeah, you just get to a stage where you don't you don't want to cause any more damage to people, whether it's physical or not. 
And uh, and you're right. Uh, but the, yeah, I think you're far more advanced than I am in this game. But you're a lot older than me, clearly. Like you can tell. I mean, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so you're at your age, I'll, 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 I'll suspect. Yeah. Um, I've, got a yeah. few, I've got a few years on you, Alex. Yeah, yeah. No, there's still ego in violence for sure. In, yeah. in success and almost, I, I, I'm definitely much better than I was. But in bragging rights, I still like to let people know that I'm doing all right, and I, and I still like to let people know that I work hard. I've got a value about. I can't yeah. let people think that I'm not grafted. Yeah. It's one of yeah. my values, and I want to get past that. And and I yeah, think, with women, yeah. I think you're very much in like a like a doing stage. You're trying to do things, whereas I'm 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 in a little bit more of a, a being, you know. I'm just trying to be a little bit, you know. So and and like I said, this is where the egos is it's beneficial. If it wasn't for part of your ego, we might not be having this conversation, you know, because it drives you, it motivates you. You know, I, I think I'm, I remember Graham Hancock saying about uh, one of the books he wrote. He said like, if it wasn't for my ego, I would not have wrote that book. I think it took him ten years to write. Yeah. So, you know. We don't want to get rid of our ego. You know, we just want to understand it and realise when it's dominating the conversation. Because if it dominates the conversation too much, you'll find that it's probably not being very helpful. You know, we need that balance. We need the ego to go, wait a minute, this is going too far. I need to say, I need to stick up for myself. And sometimes we'll have situations where we do need to stick up for ourselves and we don't get walked over, you know, because we value ourselves. So that's when your ego can kind of help you out a little bit, you know. But if you're in in the gym as much as we are, uh, and it's a, like a fighting gym, and, and you know the banter's getting a little bit too much, and you start being a little bit too aggressive and a little bit like derogatory of people, your ego's gone too far, you know. And and one of the one of the first things that ayahuasca said to me was lighten up and take things too serious. <laughs> And, and it was kind of joking and, and being playful with me. And, and sometimes I'm, I can be a bit serious. I can be a bit regimented. I can be like, right, cold shower, right, breathing exercises, right, training, right, intermittent fasting, right, uh, meditating, you know, and I can be quite regimented, you know, whereas I try and have a bit of a day off where I'm, I'm a little bit playful. Well, I yeah, don't train. I know someone else like that. I'm, I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much yeah. like that. So for, for, people, for people listening, Matty, when, when we say the word ego, are we just talking about anything that's not what you would class as your true self? Ego, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because your ego is, is still part of you. You know, I just think, I think your ego can be that part of you that um, is prepared to kind of sabotage you. So your ego can like end up being like quite like in a position where you kind of self sabotage is a is a big deal. Um, so your ego can get you into trouble, you know. So again, it's that balance of knowing when your ego needs to to shut shut the fuck up basically, and let me talk, let me be the real person. But then there's other times where, you know, your ego needs to go. You need to do another set of this. Get it done now. So you get it done, you know, like, so it's it's a very fine line. In, in the psychedelic world, they, they talk a lot about, like, ego death, which I kind of struggle a little bit with. I think ego dissolvement is, is maybe, a, maybe a better term because as far as I'm aware, if your ego dies, you're kind of dead, you know, because your ego does help you when it comes to surviving. So it's not about getting rid of your ego. It's about understanding when your ego is dominating you 
and recognizing this and saying, do I really want that? That's why if you put if you put people when they're in the best, they're, they're, they're at their best, and you said, do you really want to go out? And when someone looks at you the wrong way, headbutt them or punch them in the face, you know, and, and the answer is going to be no. You know, if you cut someone up and you, they nearly crash and they've got the kid in the back of the car and you ask them the same question, they're going to go, yeah, I want to kill someone. So it's understanding and recognising when your ego is allowed to talk and when your ego can be detriment to you. So that makes sense to a lot of people, you know, because it can be a hard thing to figure out. Yeah, no, totally. It is a hard thing to figure out. And and so what I've been thinking about lately, like there's ego and then there's consciousness. Do you think there's a deeper level? Like, do you yeah. think it's even more powerful than than our own yeah. consciousness? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you can take it to the levels that you can take it to are like formidable, you know. And it's like he, I, I know I use him a lot, but he was he was not like my first mentor. But Jeff Thompson, you know, Jeff Thompson, I, I doubt very much has ever taken a psychedelic, and probably would be quite against that. But you know, Jeff's got to where he's got to a very high kind of spiritual level um, from from determination and and from searching inside himself. It's all been internal work, and and that's 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 the hard thing to do. It's easy to look out the external. Oh, if I become a black belt, I'm going to be all right. If I learn how to do this, I'm going to be all right. You, you'll find you won't get there if you look at yourself and work out what you need. Then you'll probably be all right. You know, people don't love themselves. People aren't happy. You know, like learn to love yourself. It's a hard thing to do. You know. But, it's an incredibly hard thing to do, mate. Incredibly yeah, hard thing to do. I'm, I'm at a stage where, I, I, you know, I don't know how this even sounds, but, I, I, yeah, I love myself. And because I love myself, I feel I can love others. You know, and it's a bit cliche, like love, but, you know, the Beatles said it years ago, all you need is love. You no, know? it's funny that you mentioned that because I've had a lot of guys this week, like, and this is nothing to, to do with success or goal achievement. They've just said to me, Alex, like, this is the first time I felt good about myself because I've started to take care of myself, which has naturally given me a bit more respect. Like, I like myself, not, not because I'm getting closer to my goals, just because I'm turning up and doing what I said I would and putting some effort into my health. And, and yeah, and that's been the biggest victory. So, yeah, that, that's been really cool, and 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 it's to do with that. There's a little bit of pride reinstalled when a man goes away and and, and takes care of himself because yeah, yeah, you know, yeah same, same with a woman as well. You know, it's it's about that self worth, isn't it? You know, if if you kind of if you go and do something that that was quite tricky for you, actually quite hard to do, you feel quite proud of it, and that's self worth and self love. You know, so if you are turning up on something that you never used to be able to do before, you will feel self-worth. And that's where it starts. Once you can build on that self-worth and that self-love, you'll find you're all right. You're okay with yourself and you're okay with others. I think you're going to be a mentor uh, for life for me. You know that. (laughs) Here's why. A little bit similar to guys like Jeff and Paul Moore, because... As I advance, like you do as well. So, like you're always going to be setting like the standard for me. Well, you're always, you know, you're still teaching me as well, Alex. You know, it's great to see how we've both we're both evolving. You know, and and that's really what it's about, isn't it? You know, I don't yeah, want to stop. I don't want to stay still. You know, and 
And some people do always raise that question of, well, aren't you content? Aren't you happy? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still learning. I'm still learning about myself, you know, because internals such a bigger world than the external world. You know, it might not be physically, but it's such a big world. When you start looking into yourself and you're conscious, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. I know we've evolved because when I first started training with you, it very much was we were in that grappling room. We'd bomb, you know, we'd we'd spar or we'd you know we'd do Greco pretty hard, and then eventually over time we started to spend a bit more time speaking between rounds. We'd finish the session early and have these kind of conversations, and it it evolved from there, didn't it? Then we started doing some work together. Then we started, you know, getting on the phone and talking as friends and stuff. So it's. Yeah, it's definitely, like I say, when I, in fact, did the hardest thing about this interview today was I've got all this information written down, uh, all these great things that you've done, uh, and it was knowing where to start. So I always refer to you as somebody who's gone through what I call a real transformation. So I've worked with guys who've done the physical transformations, you know, the body transformations. Yeah. Like we've said, this is this is a different um, level. Do you know what you, uh, what I think you should do, Matt? <laughs> you shouldn't think I should do anything. No, but, but I'm going to say it anyway. A YouTube channel. I know you're not well, into social media, but you've got so much knowledge that, like, we're speaking about role models. I'm thinking this is a great chance for, you know, lads like myself and and, and, and lads who just want to improve, guys who want to improve. I keep saying guys, by the way. I'm sorry because I, I coach men. Um, but, yeah, anybody well, who wants to improve. Just as important. I know they well, are, men. I always get told off by the some of the ladies that I coach. They're like, yeah, Alex, yeah. You know, we've got a lot to learn from women, you know, especially with our egos. Women don't feel the need to have a fight. But women have got one thing over us. You know, when they have, not all of them do, but when if they have any children, you know, they've kind of, they've, they've, they've hit such a high level that we can never hit that level. You know, so, yeah, the love I've got for, obviously, I've, I've been brought up in a very feminine kind of a world. I've got four beautiful sisters, uh, you know, and it's, that's really helped with my balance. By, have, by being in that physical world with the men, but then having that female world, I think that's really helped me balance balance out. And one thing I've got to add to that as well, I think the last training we were doing, you were training me. I think yeah, you got yeah. me, you got me proper ripped up, and and it really helped my self defence, like you know, for myself. You know, it kind of um, it took me down a different path that is really beneficial, much more beneficial to me than learning to have a fight. Yeah, um, you, right. got into shape. you got into fantastic shape. I mean, you were quite easy yeah. to train, to be honest, Matty. Like I say, like work rate was never an issue. It was just literally saying, Matty, do this, and you, you'd do it, and you train hard, yeah. and you got your, your nutrition was really up tight on point, and, you, yeah, you look fantastic, mate. But, um, yeah, I think you – let's go back to the YouTube thing briefly. Yeah, I, I am. And I, if, if, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm in this uh, – I'm in the middle of looking at that. Do you know what I mean? So I actually shot a few clips the other day um for a possible youtube channel i'm just i'm not i'm just i need some help with it basically so that's that's all it is i need i need some help i've got all the equipment to there to actually record myself and stuff now i just need a little bit of help i'm getting a little bit of help from a guy at the moment um i'm not sure where i'm going with that but it is something i'm looking at um because i, I do want to connect i want to connect with people and if i can help people um, you know, I've always said I'm, I'm still on Messenger on on Facebook. I kept that because some people do get in touch with me on that still. 
Um, but if people ever wanted to get in touch with me, I'm not that hard to kind of get in touch with, even though I'm not on social media. But um, any advice or, you know, any questions, feel free to to kind of get in touch with me, you know, because my energy's good at the moment and I'm, I'm, I like to give out that energy, you know, so... So Nic- Nicola knows. Nic- Nic- Nicola agrees. Nicola knows. With Nicola's beautiful. Another, beautiful. another beautiful lady. In this book, dude, uh, it said today, and I thought it was good, it said talking is thinking. And it made yeah. total sense to me because, you know, when I sit down to write and it's just the, the blank of a white page, it doesn't really go anywhere. But I always think when we ha- like when you have discussions with yeah. people, it's, it, uh, it opens things up. You feed off their energy. They feed off yours. And you almost you almost think out loud, like that's yeah. what we're doing. And, you know, everyone doing, yeah. yeah, they're probably, you know, absorbing yeah. information and then it's creating thoughts. So, yeah. uh, mate, I could speak to you all day. Uh, we've yeah. gone up for an hour. <laughs> you, you've got the record, by the way, longest podcast so far. Oh, okay. It's because I talk so much. <laughs> yeah, it's because you've got so much great stuff to say. Um, we've got to get you back on because, like I said, I've got half the stuff here that I haven't even talked about yet. Because um, one okay. thing I did want to, in fact, brief, just briefly, did anyone like? Did anyone have a problem with this transformation that you've been through? Has anybody not took offence, but had a bit like, "Can have you heard from Matty lately? See what Matty's saying. See what Matty's doing." Because I know Jeff experienced this a lot. You know this 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 extreme change, this positive change that some people might not be on board with. Uh, a little bit, but um, again, it's my journey. So, you know, proper selfishness, I suppose you could call it. Um if 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 they don't want to if if they don't want to accept that, you know, I'm I'm always going to be evolving. I think anyone who knows me knows that I've always kind of looked for what's next a little bit, you know, and I probably got that from like the likes of Jeff and, and Tony. Um and it is my journey, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, I'm, Jeff's done it before where he's been so ahead of people you know, that people would kind of would slag him off and would, would be would be quite horrible to him. I used to really feel like I should, you know, and I, I have done a few times, stuck up for Jeff and said to people, I want to watch what you're saying, pal. But um, I don't feel the need to do that for him anymore because, like me, I have gone down a different path, but I've still got some of the traits of Matty Evans that made me Matty Evans there as well. You know, so... Um, it's just a perception. So someone's perception of me might be a little bit different, but uh, I still think I've always been quite a nice person and I've always wanted the best for people. So hopefully people will want the best for me. Absolutely. Although I still wouldn't mess with you, put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) You're in your wheelchair. I said, this this is my chance, mate. I'm going to And you were like, you probably still won't tap me out. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Matt, if, anyone, if anyone's listening to this and they're uh, they're in a, a not so good place, let's just say you yeah. know they're, they're down because of COVID or things just aren't working out. If there's one thing you could could kind of like offer or one thing that you suggest they do, like where where should somebody start who's not happy with their life? There's 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 a lot of things you can do. Um, sometimes I, I think if if people actually talk to someone. Someone who they think they can trust. Sometimes a stranger is a better person to talk to. Someone that you might not know very well. You know, even someone like Tony Summers, you know, like, you know, 
even me, you know, if, if you can just talk to someone who who you feel you can trust, who's not going to share your share your problems or your trauma, and if you can just just talk about something, something that you're not very proud of, and then something that you you are quite proud of, you know, or even just write it down, write down something that you don't like about yourself, then write down something that you do like about yourself, you know, because the reason why I like to talk to people about my life story is because a lot of the time people will resonate with that because I've been there where I've wanted to kill myself, you know, so I have been suicidal um, for different reasons and for, you know, for a few more obvious reasons, you know, I don't want to sit here and say to people, well, you should get in the gym and you should train because some of these people can't even get out the door, you know, so they need to take baby steps. They need to take little, little steps, but even not watching the news. You know, don't don't sit there and say you feel bad and then watch something that's got like people pulling people's heads off or, you know, being violent because that, that energy will pass on to you. You know, sit there and watch something that's positive. Sit and listen to a song that makes them happy. You know what I mean? Or even makes them cry because you'll find afterwards you've let a little bit of your trauma out. You know, sit there and do some Wim Hof breathing. Learn about that. Listen to him for ten minutes. You know, so don't don't try and do something that's going to be, you know, if if someone's depressed and they can't physically get out of bed, how can you expect them to go to the gym and train? You can't expect that. It needs to be baby steps. It needs to be something little, and that's something little, but might be just don't pick up your phone for a few hours. You know, so. Again, we've been very much. We'd always, we'd always say, Alex. I'm sure you've said it. I've said it. Get, get down to the gym. You can't get out of bed. You're not going to get to the gym. Have a look at what you're eating. And change your first meal. Change your breakfast. Don't eat breakfast. You know, do a bit of fasting. You know, like have a look at yourself. Do something small. Don't, don't go. You know, if you, if you're struggling to get out of your house, don't, put, don't try and make yourself. You know, um, be a weightlifter. Because getting to the gym is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Try and do something something small. Try and listen to Jordan Peterson for 10 minutes. You know, try and listen to someone who's going to talk about love. You know, do that. Do something little. Don't don't try and aim too hard. It's baby steps all the way. You know, and that's that's my, that would be my advice for someone who's not feeling that great, who's struggling to get out of bed. Have a little look at what you're doing. That is negative to your life and that might be just sitting there and eating crap you know all that sugar is not going to be good for you change your first meal that might be the first step go into that hot shower if you can get out and get into a shower you know have a shower if you can't get out of bed just make something little don't don't make something too big and reach out that's that's my view on it alex i think no, I love that. And what, what's interesting, what I just heard you say was like any action, whether it's tiny or slightly bigger, it is where the answer is, like something. I love that, Matty. I think that's great. And I think that's where we'll end it. Matty, I'm sure I'll speak for everybody. That was um, phenomenal yeah. as always, dude. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. We for an hour and 45. Uh, and Thank people you. have stuck with us as well. So obviously, you know, we were saying some things that resonated. So uh yeah, mate, thank you. We'll get you back on. Like I say, it's, it's great to see you. And um, yeah. yeah, mate. And, keep, doing uh, that. keep doing all the hard work, Alex, because you're connecting people. And it's really, it's a really positive thing. 
Thank you, man. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. Right, Matty Evans, you're the fucking man. Oh, love, love you, Alex. Love you, everyone. <laughs> See you in a bit, man. Yeah, take care, man. Nice one, man.